0: today I want to talk about a track from Rush's Snakes and Arrows record. This is Malignant Narcissism. Folks who know me well are probably wondering how the heck did Joe get to episode 10 of this show without talking about Rush. It is kind of wild when you think about it. I've been talking on this show since the beginning about how much I love power trios and how much I love great bass playing and how much I love music with progressive tendencies. And Rush, of course, has all three of those in spades. But choosing a track from this band was not as easy as you might think they have a massive catalog and i'm not one of these people who thinks that rush peaked in the late 70s or early 80s i think they made great music right up to the end of their careers right to their last album and so i wanted to choose something from the latter years of their music catalog And I wanted to pick something not obvious in the spirit of the show, being about finding stuff that's new and maybe highlighting some tracks that people may have overlooked. And even that, though, didn't narrow it down so well for me. And so it took me several weeks, really, to pick something. And in the end, I just decided to go with something that had a great story. And Malignant Narcissism has a great story behind it. (music) watched the documentary of the making of Snakes and Arrows, I highly recommend you do that. Uh, I got it with the album when I bought it back in the day. It came out as a part of the special edition. I imagine it's floating around the internet somewhere, but it's a great documentary about the making of the entire album. Uh, And in particular, the track Malignant Narcissism, they explain how that track came to be. Neil had finished his tracking already for the album. All the songs had been written that they were planning on doing. And so his drum kit had already been disassembled and kind of put away for the duration of their sessions. But he had a small practice kit that was laying around the studio just for jam sessions and such. And Alex Lifeson, for whatever reason, was away, of some sort of personal reason. He was gone from the studio for a few weeks. And so it was really just Getty working in the studio with the engineer. And they were basically working on his vocals, I think, at the time. But Fender had sent Getty a new bass and he had to ship to the studio. They were recorded, I believe, at Allaire Studios. In upstate New York. And he had this new bass, and it was a Jaco Pastorius fretless bass, a jazz bass. And he started playing around with it in the studio one day, as one does when he, one gets a new toy. All right. He started playing around and jamming on it. And <laughs> Nick Raskolinitz, the producer, very wisely hit the record button and basically uh, recorded this jam. And he kind of played it back for Getty and said, Hey, this is really cool. Well, you know, we should turn this into something. We should make this into a song. It would make a really cool instrumental. And they already had an instrumental for the record. The main monkey business had already been written and already been recorded pretty much. And so Getty suggested, well, we'd already had a record with two... Instrumentals before? Why not? Not every Rush record has an instrumental, but they've done six or seven of them over the years. And so, sure, why not do a second one on this one? Sound like a cool idea. And so, it was a very spontaneous sort of thing—the entire process of making this song. And you know, Rush isn't exactly known for their spontaneity. And so, it's it's actually really cool to hear this song kind of came up out of the blue and wasn't part of the master plan, so to speak. And so, they grabbed Neil, they grabbed his practice kit, they mic'd it up really quick, and they put him in a room with Getty, and the two of them worked out the music for the track without Alex around. Kind of similar to how YYZ was made. They're much more famous earlier instrumental from the Moving Pictures record. Alex kind of came in late in the process of that one as well. But the track was kind of put together and they jammed it and, and recorded it live on the floor. And then Alex came back and they handed it to Alex and said, "Here, do something with this, right?" And so he went up into his private part of the studio and worked out a guitar part. And it in classic Alex Lifeson style, he worked out a guitar part that is so cool and so not what you would expect a guitar player to do. Uh, Alex is so creative. And uh, when you're in a band with these two maniacs, Geddy Lee and Neil Peart, these these guys just play so aggressively and and so upfront and in your face that you have to kind of, as a guitar player, work your way around that. He writes in a way that is just so not ego-driven. It's so find your space fill in the holes exactly where you were. You know, Make yourself present and make yourself known, but don't try to grab the attention too much, in other words. And I think the part he wrote here is an exemplary piece of his writing in general, how brilliantly he approaches the guitar. He doesn't just double exactly what Getty's doing, uh, as you might expect with a cool riff like that. He just plays these monster chords. and He varies it up at every iteration. Every time you go through a verse, so to speak, of, of each part, he changes it up ever so slightly. So I highly encourage you to listen throughout this track to the guitar, because the guitar work is, is my favorite part of the whole song so we start off with a simple couple of rim shots happening on the drums to establish the the timing and then getty comes in with this incredible riff and then neil jumps in with his beat over this riff. And it's it's a great reminder, I think, that a lot of times people think of Neil as this sort of robotic drummer that he's so technically gifted and, and can play so amazingly well uh, that you forget how incredible his feel is and how capable of grooving he is. Uh, this is one of his best groove beats that he's ever come up with. And the tightness between him and Getty in this is so sharp and so in the pocket. It's just unbelievable to listen to. It just makes you want to move instantly. And it's not something that people think of when they think of Rush necessarily, this this incredible groove, but this song has it. then, of course, you can hear Alex's guitar parts and how he is finding his way, as I said before, in these parts, uh, just by hitting these giant big chords with his just thick, heavy sound. And he's just hitting that chord and just holding it out and getting this great sustain out of it. And it's a really cool approach. And then, of course, in the secondary parts, the B portion, if you will, maybe it's a chorus, I don't know what you would call it in an instrumental part. He kind of harmonizes a little bit with Getty's doing. He's playing more than one note, he's playing chords there, but he's emphasizing harmony notes there. And I thought that was a really cool approach as well. And it's more active than he is in the verse parts where he's kind of just laying down a big power chord. use of vibrato is very effective as well. Then once we've gone through the A and B part a couple of times, uh, they cut right to the chase and they get to the bridge. And the way they break this down is so cool. The first time I heard it, I thought, wow, what a, what a cool idea. Basically the drums and guitar slow down and go to almost to a half speed, but the bass is still going. It's as if uh, Getty wasn't paying attention. You know, it has the, the feeling of a live jam, in other words, even though it was planned out. So the two of them kind of slow down and Getty's still going a hundred miles an hour. And then he kind of catches on and slows down on himself and goes into this alternate part. Uh, And I thought that was just a really cool approach to the writing, again, gives it that really fun, live, spontaneous kind of feel. Of course, they add a little bit of sound effects and speaking parts over some kind of a loudspeaker system kind of a thing. Very classic Rush thing to do. And lots of cool atmospheric guitar stuff happening. But we don't stick to that part for very long. We keep it broken down, but only for a short while. And then we're right back into this sort of a solo-ish uh, section, where they're going to kind of old school jazz trade fours almost, right? They're going to play four bars and then do a bass lick, and then four bars and do a drum lick, and four bars bass lick, four bars drum lick. And it's, it's kind of a, a neat thing. It, it calls back again recalls yyz where, where they did this sort of thing as well and so the two of them trading off licks is really fun and the fills they do are absolutely amazing as always pay particular attention to getty lee's first fill which is it's just so cool and so classic nothing crazier out of the ordinary or hard to play but the feel of it and the way he slides up into that last note is so cool <laughs> I love how in the second round of fills this whole song has been in four four up until this part right it's pretty straightforward for a rush tune but then when they get to these final two fills the bass fill and the drum fill both go into a measure of six there's an extra two beats added to each one of their fills for a little extra longevity a little extra malignant narcissism if you will And then once we've got that feature section over with, we go into a very quick ending. Alex, you'll notice for the first time actually plays the riff along with Getty for a brief moment. And then they do this ending where it's just a couple of notes and they're out. And the tune overall is only a couple of minutes long. I think it's less than three minutes, which has got to be a record for Rush song. It's got to be one of the shortest Rush songs ever made, which is crazy, right? This is a band that's known for 15-minute epics. And so for them to do a short tune, it was kind of a cool, refreshing bit. And again, the spontaneity of this, the jam session quality of it, the fact that it has this kind of spontaneous jam session kind of feel, you get the sense of just three friends just jamming it out. And I love that about this song. It's so not your typical, what people think of when they think of Rush, and yet it is quintessential rush in so many ways. It's a great tune. that's it for my first Rush song that I've covered on this show. finally got to one. I'm very glad I did. Uh, I'm sure I'll be talking about a lot more of their music as the weeks progress, as we go on in the show. But I I did want to get to this track because I really enjoy it a lot. And it is a great example of Rush doing what they do best, which is playing incredibly well uh, with this incredible sense of virtuosity, but also with this musicality, with a sense of a a good song, something that's enjoyable to listen to. Uh, They really managed to balance those two two bits very much in a way that I think a lot of progressive bands haven't mastered as well as they did. And I think they just got better and better at their songwriting as the years went on. And this is a great example of that. So I hope you enjoyed it. Hey, thanks for tuning in to The Weekly Listen. Subscribe to the show via Apple's iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts. iTunes ratings are always helpful too, so I'd appreciate it if you'd share the show with your friends. Apple Music and Spotify links to today's track can be found in the show notes. If you'd like to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash the weekly listen and become a patron. Your support will go a long way to helping me keep the show going. Speaking of support, I want to give a shout out to my executive producers on this episode, Alec and Kevin. Thank you. You helped make this show possible. If you want to learn more about how you could become an executive producer on the show, go to patreon.com slash the weekly listen. If you have any comments, suggestions, or you just want to chat with fellow listeners about the music, you can reach out on micro.blog at The Weekly Listen. I encourage everyone to join the conversation. Thanks, and we'll be back next week with more music.